Welcome to Connecting with the Toms podcast. I'm your co-host, Julie Tom, a trauma-informed movement specialist. I'm Dr. Dick Tom, a biological medicine physician. Uh, we wish to share the untold truth about health and fitness industry based on our combined 70 plus years of experience. We want you to connect and feel empowered in your own mind and body by interacting with each other. This show is about connection for you, for us, and for the world. This is Connecting with the Toms podcast. Let's start connecting. Welcome to Connecting with the Toms. I'm Julie. And I'm Dr. Tom. Welcome to another episode of Connecting with the Toms. And we're super excited that you're here to connect with us. And today's topic is, uh, I think, I feel, I feel like a really important one uh, because we're going to be talking about how to feel safe in your body and steps to emotional heal healing. So, we don't necessarily have a plan for this particular episode, but I just want to talk about this is a, a really important episode for me, particularly because healing uh, my emotions and connecting with my body has been something that I've been um, particularly working on for the last three years since the pandemic, um, because I noticed um, I was growing more and more disconnected from my body as the pandemic was continuing on because it was forcing me to... Uh, adjust my business, adjust how, you know, everything that was going on in the world, just shutting um, people away. And I realized uh, how important it was for me to connect and connection. That's why I'm like the title of our podcast is Connecting with the Toms. And I didn't realize how important connection was until um, the pandemic really, and just how I was really disconnected with myself. So today we want to talk about some steps on how to start feeling safe in your body and uh, steps to emotional healing. So um, is there anything you want to start us off with, Dad? I think I'm just going to reiterate what, just what you said, Julie, uh, from the aspect of the pandemic has unfortunately brought to light for a lot of people the challenges uh, in their own personal life, of what happens when there's social isolation. And unfortunately, the aspect of in many parts of the world, uh, perhaps your country, your city, your state, your province, uh, you became very isolated, not only from just co-workers, but from your family uh, who may live in another city. Uh, and other than connecting you know, on a computer, you never really got to be in their energetic presence uh, for what's going on. And what became even more, I think what, what brings it to, to, to light is the fact that now uh, when we have what we consider uh, a mental, emotional uh, upset, it's no longer considered, uh, you know, a bad thing. You know, you, mental illness is always considered. Oh, you don't talk about it because you don't see anything wrong with the person. They look fine, you know. But if the person had cancer or they had a heart attack or they broke in a bone and are wearing a cast, you say, "Oh, how, what happened?" I'm sorry to hear that. You're saying, "Well, when somebody has an emotional challenge that they're dealing with, you can't say anything and you're not talking to them." So. We don't get to recognize that sort of on a on a day to day basis. And just a, a couple of weeks ago, I I listened to a, a TED talk that that talked about you know centurions, uh, people who live to a hundred years of age, and you know over the course of a period of time, not just during the pandemic, but you know, if I'm not mistaken, I believe it was Sardinia, which is off the uh, Italian coast. Uh, where they went to interview these people, where there's 11 times for the 11 times more centurions for the population ratio than there is in the United States, and they said, "Gosh, what the heck is like? What are they doing?" 
And, and so they interviewed all these people and, you know, they came up with this list. And so somebody would assume, oh, I guess exercise is on the top of the list and eating well is on the top of the list. And yeah, they're important, but they weren't anywhere near the top of the list. And they said, well, what's at the top of the list? And uh, virtually everybody in that entire study said, uh, the fact that we socialize, the fact that on Sundays, we all get together as a family, we have a family meal, uh, we talk about things, we, we enjoy each other's company, uh, we get out and, you know, mingle among other people in our community. So it became very evident that the lack of socialization, the fact that people were literally confined to their house or a condo or apartment, wherever they were living, and didn't have much interaction and social contact. Uh, as human beings, we are social animals. Uh, it's important that we, you know, that we interact with other people. And so, you know, one of the things, if you just sort of jump into this is to, you know, uh, you know, one of the things that they said, so, you know, when you meet somebody uh, on the street, you know, say hello, say good morning, how are you today? You know, when you're in the, when you're in the bank, uh, you know, how, how's the day going? When you're checking out at the grocery store, you know, how's your day going? you know, smile, you know, interact with people. They like that. They, you know, people want to talk to other people. So as a first step for, you know, all of our emotional well-being, you know, don't be quiet. Don't, uh, don't isolate yourself. Don't be a hermit, uh, you know, interact uh, with other people and, and be friendly. So that's, I'll just sort of start off with that discussion that way. Absolutely. I mean, just going back to a previous episode, we talked about like when uh, we come out of the womb or any any mammal that comes out of the womb or whatever, it's instantly looking for connection. We all have something called an autonomic nervous system and that autonomic nervous system, basically what it wants is it wants to feel, it feels, it wants to feel connection. It wants to feel safe. So that's why for me, when I talk to um, people that struggle with uh, mental health or physical health, I talk, we talk about, you know, how connected are you to your community, to your church, to other people, to your family, you know, we, you know, it's, you can scale it or assess it and whatnot. But if you are someone that struggles with finding connection because of, you know, like, because the government said you couldn't connect with other people or because you're just an introvert, um, you're someone that does struggle with connecting with other people, you know, it could be a trauma response. And so the first thing we need to do is simply acknowledge your autonomic nervous system. And so what is it? Um, it's basically a part of your um, nervous system. It's a branch of your nervous system that is working every, like it's, it's basically in your subconscious and it's, constantly running in the background and it's asking itself, uh, am I safe? Am I not? Am I, am I safe or am I in danger? So it could be, you know, the, it's, it's all based off of sensations. So nature has taught us that, uh, if you feel you die. So over the years, as we've evolved as humans, what, what the problem is that many of us become disconnected with our bodies and disconnected with our autonomic nervous systems because we don't uh, stop to actually feel the sensations in our body. And that's what the autonomic nervous system is doing is it's giving us an opportunity to feel the sensations. So for instance, when you're angry, what are the sensations in your body? Or, you know, what happens to your jaw? Where do you feel the tightness? Is it tight? Is it um, tingly? Is it vibration? Do you have a knot in your stomach? So many of us don't necessarily take the time to actually bring awareness to that. 
And so um, if you take a look at, you know, people pre-pandemic and post-pandemic, you know, what are the conditions that we're seeing physically um, with people is like, does your back pain, is your back pain, um, you know, you had an injury a long time ago or you had shoulder pain or neck pain. Um, you know, I'm seeing a lot more like eye strain type of injuries in the movement world. Um, but essentially what we want to be able to do is how do we start connecting with our autonomic nervous system? Dad, do you want to talk about, do you talk about this with your, any of your patients at all? Well, uh, absolutely. And more and more people are becoming aware that, uh, you know, their nervous system is out of balance because of the, the concept of uh, HRV no longer mm -hmm. is sort of foreign word to most people. And people are wearing, uh, you know, an Apple watch or they're wearing a, an aura ring or they have Fitbit or some type of a device uh, that, you know, during the night uh, often will measure their heart rate variability. Uh, and not only that, but during, you know, in, any type of activity on an ongoing basis. And they're, they are, have come to learn that their heart rate variability is very low. And when your heart rate variability is very low, your ability to adapt to rapidly changing circumstances in your day-to-day -day life, uh, you don't cope as well. And they're, and they're starting to put this connection between, oh, uh, you know, this is why I feel upset, angry, cry, whatever. But look mm -hmm. at my heart rate variability. I'm, I'm so, so confined uh, in this narrow box. So when we start looking at what our unconscious uh, part of the brain versus our conscious part of the brain uh, is doing for us. So it's, it's not a foreign term anymore. And of course, we do heart rate variability uh, evaluations on all our patients, and you can show them on a piece of paper that you may think you tolerate stress well, but your body is not tolerating stress well at all. And it becomes very evident that, you know, what it is that they're doing, uh, they need, they, you know, that they become aware of it, first of all, and once you become aware of it, uh, then you have the opportunity to say, okay, so what can I do different? How can I, uh, how can I be different? Uh, in a different circumstance and that type of thing. So uh, autonomic nervous system is not a foreign word anymore to most people. Uh, you know, the nervous, the people, most people used to think that the nervous system was your brain and that was right. it. And, and if you had a numbness or tingling, well, something was happening. Uh, but now it's uh, it's expanded and we have a much more uh, awareness uh, in the, the among the general public uh, of right. what it's uh, doing. Right. But the problem is that most of us don't know what our bodies are feeling, right? Because we've ignored it for so long. We've just, or we don't really think about, you know, what are the sensations that are leading up to my back pain? And so, you know, like in previous podcasts, you talked about, you know, um, people have had heart attacks and you talk about stress. Like in our last podcast, we talked about um, um, perception of stress and how um, pain can go up when you have a higher perception of stress, even though, you know, you may not be under, it might not be a stressful load, but if you perceive it to be stressful, then your body will respond accordingly, right? So I think a lot of times like awareness is definitely the first step. Um, and all the books that I've read in terms of, you know, vagus nerve healing and connecting with your body, it's all about how to befriend your nervous system um, by Deb Dana is a fantastic book because it helps. She just takes you through the the awareness steps of like, okay, how do I start? How do I start listening in and listening out? She has a, she has wonderful, wonderful um, examples on how to do that. It's, I've actually created a masterclass to help us do that. And, you know, one way 
to start bringing awareness is um, is using the, the sense, senses. So you use the extraception. So you can use your visual, you can use your vestibular. So sound, smells, taste, um, and textures. So one example um, that or my first class, we always start with music. So it's a really cool way to help you understand how different sounds impact you. And so what I invite you to do is that, so what we always have to do is you have to assess first, how is my, how stressed, so let's say, okay, dad, you talked about HRV. Let's say I don't have an HRV device. I don't have an Apple watch. I don't have uh, a way to measure it. Okay, so what is our, how do we know our body is stressed? So what I do is I help people connect with their body and find out. So what I want everybody to do is that if you're listening to this, if you're driving, just use one hand. But what I want you to do is reach behind either ear. So just behind your earlobes, just behind and rub either side and just notice if, it is, if it's tender. And um, this is where the vagus nerve comes out of uh, your head, your skull. And so you want to feel for tenderness there. And if there is, we just want to bring awareness to that. And it's like, okay, or I don't really feel a difference and that's fine. Then what I want you to do is just go on either side of your jaw. So if you want you to feel, so it's almost like you're going to push your jaw forward on either side. Notice is one side of your jaw more tender, uh, more rigid, is a little bit stiffer and just notice that. Then what you're going to do is you're going to go to the base of your throat. So there's a little hole at the base of your throat, the top of your, basically the top of your sternum. But what you're going to do is you're going to push down towards your toes and then push a little bit to the right and push a little bit to the left. And notice if there's tenderness there. And again, we're just bringing awareness. What is our body trying to tell us? And what I'm doing is I'm just tracking the vagus nerve. So the next we're going to do is you're going to go at the xiphoid process. So the bottom part of your sternum, you're going to press up towards your nose and then again, push a little bit right and push a little bit to the left and notice if you're tender. So I'm just going to note here, if you are somebody who is stuck in the sympathetic branch, the autonomic, the sympathetic, so the fight or flight, this will be very tender. You're going to actually have a hard time touching here, like even touch it. Like I've seen some people, they're just like, oh, that is just, I can't even touch. It's like tender to the touch. Um, if you can move it and you just notice one side a little bit more and you have a little bit of like a, ooh, there's something there, you're bringing awareness. And then finally, the the last place you want to check is um, underneath your rib cage. So from that xiphoid process, just take your fingers and can you uh, curl them up and almost like tickle the back of your rib cage? Can you actually is uh, can you actually do it first and foremost, or is it is your diaphragm so rigid that you can't? Um, that's the first thing we want to notice. And then just go right to that last floating rib. And so what this does is it actually helps us. We're 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 following the vagus nerve. Um, and we're just finding out from our body, how stressed are we? So if you were tender behind your ear, behind the jaw, at the base of your throat, in the sternum, at the xiphoid processor underneath, that's a sign that your body is stressed out. And so you need to do something to connect with yourself. Okay, so there's lots and lots of ways to do this. Um, and so that's what I was saying before with music. So what you would do is let, let's say you're a tender at the xiphoid process. Okay, so at the basically at the um, middle part of your ribs underneath like where your diaphragm is. Okay, just below your chest. So let's say you're tender there. So then what I want you to do is put on some music and just notice what happens. So what I do in my class is I actually take people through different genres of music. So we go from rock and roll to R&B to classical, to all these different, and then we did all, we're not doing anything, just listening to music. And what happens is that when your body finds that uh, music that feels safe, and that reminds you of something that, you know, has a good memory to it, your vagus, you actually calm down, and then that tenderness actually will go away. 
So what that's done is that you've actually shifted your body from protection to connection just simply using music. So the idea is we just need to find the music that resonates with you. And so a lot of times people, you know, in sound. So so the joke is for me, like no offense to Mariah Carey, but Mariah Carey is a sound I don't like. It It's too high pitched for me. Every time I listen to it, I literally, the skin or the hair on the back of my neck crawls. It just like, I get these tinglies and I'm just like, it's so uncomfortable. I don't like it. And everybody like, I, everybody joke about it. And she's actually coming to Toronto uh, this Christmas. And everybody's like, you must, you're going to be hiding inside your house at Christmas. I'm like, no. But the idea is that if I'm stressed out, uh, if my HRV is low or if my body is under a, a heavy load, listening to my Mariah Carey will actually add more stress. So what I need to do is work on building my resiliency, is work on listening to different sounds and not avoiding the trigger, but understanding that, okay, this is my body protecting me. I'm going to be okay. And so I'm safe. And so I can go through different statements to help me shift out of that protective state and say, you know what, it's just it's just Mariah Carey, Julie, it's okay, you're safe, right? So there's different things I can say to myself, but sound or music is a really, really powerful way um, to help you shift your nervous system, for example. There are lots of different ways, but music is is pretty much, that's why a lot of people, like when they dance, they just let their bodies and they play and it's very free flowing and that's allowing your body. When you play, that's another sign of your body being in a state of uh, connection and you're able to um, stay out of that protection. So if you're somebody like, and that's why, you know, we, we did a podcast on play and it's something that a lot of people struggle with and it's because you guys are stuck in protection. So when you're stuck in protection, your emotional connection or your emotions are going to be, you're going to, you know, be stuck in that stress state, that overwhelmed state and that perception of stress is going to stay high because you don't know how to get out of it. And so I'm saying, as I'm saying, for one example, is listen to different types of music that make you feel safe. It's super powerful. And then what you do is once you listen to that music, recheck that tender spot. So um, use your body instead of just like, oh yeah, I like this song. So when I did this exercise, <laughs> it's kind of funny. So when I did this exercise, I didn't think I liked country music. Guess what? I like country. Because every time I, I, I touched, every time it would my, my tenderness would go away. I was like, what? no way i had no idea i like country my body like i thought my brain my brain didn't like it but my body liked it so there's a difference and the other one that really makes me i did not know this but anyway the the music that makes me feel safest is funk i had no idea it's like every time i listen to funk i was like my body is like it totally totally relaxes and it's like i had no idea and so yeah anyway so just something that it's a really fun exercise um that i invite people to experiment and try and and do but there's <laughs> anyway it's just a fun one but i'm like i had no idea I like country and funk <laughs> like if you would ask me like what's your favorite genre uh not that <laughs> but my body likes it so there you go um dad do you have any other do you have any tips on how to shift from protection to connection well i think just before that i think just a reiteration of you know why do people go to a concert uh, you know, this particular weekend, uh, Elton John is here in Phoenix. He did a concert last night. He's doing one tonight. And so, you know, he's been around for, I don't know, 50 years or something like that. Like, why do people like his music? And some people say, well, I like his music. But they're not realizing the reason they like his music because it puts them in an altered state. Absolutely. An altered state of relaxation. Mm -hmm. An altered state where they can sort of get away from their everyday activities and chores and responsibilities. And the reason that we have 
music, the reason that music has not only been in religious ceremonies pure for probably as long as man has been on the earth, uh, it is because it is it allows us to get into an altered state of consciousness to some degree. Music is one of the common ways that that's why music, you know, the one of the worst things you could ever do is to go into dead silence, be in a room with no yes. stimulation, solitary confinement, but you know, you have it's black, you see nothing, you hear nothing. Uh, and it's one of the ways that you literally can uh, drive somebody over the edge because of the fact we are animals that require constant stimulation and music is without doubt uh, one of the easiest and best ways to do that. And that's why people, you know, that's why when I do my morning walk every day of three miles, I have earpods in and listen to a whole variety of, of yep. uh, different, uh, I still like the oldies, I, stuff that I grew up with. And, you know, I, I feel really good and I don't, I don't have a care in the world. And, you know, if I, need somebody on the street, I'll turn it off and have a little chat. And, uh, then I turn it back on and keep walking. So, you know, we do those types of things on an everyday basis. And uh, for most people, they don't even realize that that's what it's doing. Right. That's the reason they like what they do. That's the reason we get into these types of situations. And I would say that's a much healthier way than thinking, oh, I have to have a you know half a bottle of wine at night to get into mm -hmm. that state. Uh, it would be a lot nicer to surround yourself with quiet music as you said find the one that you resonate the most with mm -hmm. uh you know and uh you know have it have it and lighting is also something that's extremely important that can put you into a, a nice relaxed state so we have these visual stimuli uh that is very helpful and you mentioned texture i'll remember what your brother did uh, growing up that he would carry around this friggin blanket that became yeah. a, almost like a rag uh, yeah. through his entire life because that texture it just gives you this sense of, of comfort safety. and the sense of safety uh, and relaxation so people will have their their niches if you like uh, what it is that they do so you know just incorporating those things on an everyday basis without realizing that's what you're doing now that you know that's what you're doing yeah. that's why it's your body loves it uh, anytime mm -hmm. you can put yourself into this relaxed parasympathetic calm down the vagus nerve uh, people are definitely going to feel better. They're going to interact uh, better, and they're going to be. It's hard to not smile and hard to be upset when you're in a parasympathetic state. Exactly, and essentially that's what you're doing. So when we're, you know, steps to emotional healing, it's really tapping into your vagus nerve. And there's so many, so many different ways to do this. And you know, like if you take a look at our season one of of our podcast, like most of those are all actually influencing the vagus nerve so you know like my dad said like texture is a big one so it's like literally experiment for yourself so pick up like some something that's wood picks it something that's metallic or slimy or soft so like it's funny because my kids uh my boys particularly they are very sensitive to different types of uh pants they don't like the texture of jeans like i try and it's just like they don't like the texture on their skin but they prefer you know the dry fit pants and whatnot and so it's just like they know what they like and that's what makes them feel safe that's why a lot of people will come home from work you know i saw i've seen so many you know spoofs on TikTok and reels and whatnot people like coming home strip off all their work clothes and then all you want is comfy pajamas that is tuning into your vagus nerve that texture you know you know your favorite pair of slippers 
uh, and your thing and gloves in your hands, your hands. So if we want to talk a little bit about the brain, um, something I'm taking a neurology course and we were just talking about this uh, concept called homunculus, such a cool word. And like the homunculus, anyway, homunculus, basically it's how your brain perceives different parts of your body. And so your brain actually thinks your hands are like, you know, like that, no, when you go to a baseball game, you're like, I'm number one, you know, that big hand, the number one, your brain thinks your hands are that big. And so there's a lot of neural uh, feedback that we can do with just rubbing our hands. And so like when you touch something like with a really, you know, soft and um, texture versus something hard or metallic, your brain is telling you, am I safe? Am I not? Right. It's, it's at the end of the day, am I in danger? Is this dangerous or is this not? So essentially what you can do is that if you're someone that's, you know, stuck in this emotional vortex of, I can't get unstuck. I'm, I'm always, I'm feeling depressed. Um, I'm feeling, you know, stuck. I'm feeling anxious or whatever. Use texture, feel the things, you know, figure out what feels good. Like my daughter, when she is having her tantrums, we focus on texture. She loves squishmallows. Like I'm telling you people, when I say she loves squishmallows, I'm not exaggerating. She probably has close to a hundred of them and it's ridiculous. Like it's over the top, but the reason she has them is because they make her feel safe. And that at the end of the day, so I'm like, you know what? Okay, so she'll go to the store and she literally, I mean, they're all like, you think they're all the same? Not according to my daughter. She has to touch them and she has to feel them because some of them don't feel the same as others. She knows, she knows what makes her feel safe and what doesn't. And like dad, you said eyes, vision, <laughs> it's the window, window, vision. What you're looking at is the window to safety. So, I mean, I'm right now, I'm, I'm heavy into pain, uh, working with people and vision. So for instance, I'll just tell this little story this week on Monday, uh, this week I had a lot of clients cancel, uh, because they're sick or they're on, they're traveling. And so when I, my body relaxes, what tends to happen is I have these, we'll call them trigger points or I have an adhesion that shows on the bottom, uh, basically at the top of my right shoulder blade. It basically feels like a hot spot. It gets really, really hot and it, it's aggravating. I, it basically causes, uh, tends to, it's so much pressure there that it leads to a headache. And so it's like very difficult for me to move my head. Um, but I get these like waves of disorientation, I would say. And so what I typically have to do is lay on a peanut or I get my ball and I breathe and I slow down my breathing and whatnot. This time, what I did is I actually worked on my eye drills. So I got an eye patch and I covered, so it's on my right side. So I covered my left eye and I did some movements and I actually did some, like I just did like a, my lymphatic movement flow. And then I did uh, like a 20 minute like dance. So I put some music on and I danced around and I did a Tabata for 20 minutes. And then can you want, and then I took off my eye patch and you want to have a wild guess of what happened to my knot and my headache. It went away. It went away. I didn't do anything other than I exposed my eyes. And the funny part is when I put my eye patch on, I could not see anything out of my right eye. So what basically my brain was doing was it's overstimulated. So when I actually go to, when I have more time and when I slow down, my body's like, Whoa, this isn't really safe. We're used to being sympathetic. We're used to being in this go, go, go. And so when we actually have time to slow down, the body's like, Whoa, this is a weird feeling. This is uh, uncomfortable. So that's where for me, when I slow down, so that's what my body has taught me when I slow down, I'm not safe. And so now I'm working on, Oh yes, you are. You're safe, Julie. So here's how we can make you feel safe. We put music on so that you can dance. We cover one eye to help you stimulate visually input what's going on into the brain. And then uh, I did some texture stuff as well. Um, but it's, it's extremely powerful when you tap into sensory input.
So, you know, like you can go into taste and then if you are a smell person, if you're an essential oil person, it's magic. It's magic, magic, magic. Because the, what's unique about smell is that it doesn't matter what side of the brain your pain or your discomfort or, you know, whatever is going on. Uh, smell is the only sense that activates both both parts of the brain. So when you, the thing you need to understand as well as on the autonomic nervous system and, and whatnot is um, the parts of the brain that are being activated. And so when we're using the senses, what we're actually using is more of the two thirds of the back of the brain. So we're using more, um, that's our emotional brain. So a lot of us, when we're um, feeling disconnected, uh, stuck, overwhelmed, you know, depressed and whatnot, what's happening is that um, we're trying to use the front part of our brain. So we're trying to use our logical brain and you can't use logic when it's an emotional brain, when the emotional brain wants to connect. So that's really, you know, the, the key is how do I activate the emotional brain and we use it through our senses. So there's lots of, I mean, like I said, there's lots of different ways to do it, but it's extremely, extremely powerful. So like I actually on, on, on Instagram this week, I posted a meet, not a meme, I don't know, a carousel, I guess you want to call it. But basically it's like, if you're starting to feel, if you're starting to feel the um, signs of depression kick in. So for us, you know, I'm in Canada, it's colder now, it's supposed to snow today. Um, so you, you can feel the shift of people's energy because with the coldness, we tend to retract, we get colder, you know, our bodies uh, are a little bit more tense and whatnot. But basically, if you're feeling signs of depression, my post was all about, you have to move your body just move, move your body mentally, physically, emotionally, some way, shape or form, move your body. So how do you move your body? Listen to music. How do you move your body? Feel cool things. How do you move your body? Smell wonderful things. How do you move your body? Do some eye drills. So um, you can also do taste. I haven't actually done that, but people who are like food connoisseurs, I'm sure there's like your favorite food, you know, especially when you're, well, that's actually if we, if I just like off the cuff, just, you know, think about it. It's like when you're depressed, you tend to eat, yes, and you're going to eat the foods, sugar, things that are comforting, right? So the idea is we want to try to find things that that make us feel safe. And so a lot of times that's why we go for those, for me, the chocolate chip cookies. <laughs> so then that's bringing awareness um, to, you know, I'm not feeling safe. So this is how we start. This is literally how you start feeling safe in your body. Uh, do you have anything else to share, Dad? Just to sort of reiterate the idea that, you know, we think of, you know, preferred foods because mm -hmm. of how they taste, whether it's sugar or, you know, whatever it is, sour, bitter. But when you really think about it, a lot of people, when I ask them about foods and cravings, it's not so much about, you know, the taste of it. It's about the feel of it. So mm -hmm. it's like, do you like, like yogurt smoothie, like a smooth from yogurt pudding type thing? Or do you prefer a crunchy type thing because of how that makes you feel? So we think it's because of the taste of the item, but it's the feel of the item, not only on your hands, but because your tongue uh, and inside your oral cavity has, has so many sensory input aspects, it's sending tremendous amounts of information into the brain. And we obviously have evolved this because one would assume as we evolved that if something didn't taste good, well, maybe it's poisonous, so I won't eat it, uh, per se. But, you know, you can look at foods that we now eat, tomatoes, and, you know, as a deadly nightshade. Peppers are deadly nightshades, theoretically. And theoretically, in the past, you ate them. Uh, but, you know, the, the feel and the, the taste. and the, So we're using our vision, we're using our taste, we're using our texture to really enjoy food. And that's why food connoisseurs, it's as much about how does it look 
-hmm. because before you even eat it, you're looking at it, the brain's getting a signal. Oh, this is going to be succulent. This is going to be wonderful. I'm going to feel wonderful. It's going to digest so well. Uh, you know, it'll, it'll just make me feel oh, this meal. I just can't wait to, uh, to enjoy and know how it's going to make me feel as opposed to, you know, not even looking. So, you know, if you're to basically put food in somebody, but ne never look at it, not even know what you're eating, you wouldn't get a whole lot of benefit out of it because the look of the meal has a lot to do with the amount of satisfaction that the body appreciates and accepts from actually eating that particular food. And so, you know, when somebody says, I don't have any appetite, then I'll say, well, take the time to prepare the meal, look at the meal, smell the meal, get your all your organ systems working efficiently, and the food will actually end up having a much more beneficial effect. And they say, if you do that without changing the, the foods that you're eating, the amount, you'll actually lose weight because yeah. the body will have a much higher level of satisfaction and you won't have the need to literally overeat or eat more calories thinking that, oh, I'm not feeling full yet. You will create that sensation earlier when you start to use all your senses to appreciate whatever it is that you're eating. Like we went out, it's my husband's birthday yesterday. We went out to this fancier restaurant. It's like um, farm to table type of food. So it's all made to order. And we actually got to watch the chef make the food. And it was just like, it's so much more satisfying in a restaurant. Like you really don't get to see the chef making, preparing your food. But the fact that we got to watch it and then like have them serve it to us. And then you look at it, you're like, oh my God, it was so good. And it's just like, I mean, it could have been, I don't know not mcdonald's food but there's just something different than and to say like at the end of the day like what you're just describing it's like you're just tapping into all those senses there's so much power in tapping into our senses and i think that's the problem is that many of us a don't have that awareness or or we do do it but we don't know so you know as gabriel matei always talks about in his books like i'm reading his newest book and he's talking about it all starts with awareness you have to bring awareness like why does the brain why do i do what i do well why do you do what you do? It's because your body, it's because it's it all in the name of safety. It's like you do it because it's what's keeping you safe. If you're doing, you know, if you're doing something that you want to change, well, it, well, you're, the, the reason you're doing it is because that's what your body and brain thinks it needs to do to make you feel safe. So, you know, with the eating stuff, there's always habits. When we look at the habits and change the sensations of how the you know what does it visually look like what does it sound like what does it smell like what does it taste like what does it feel like like i was like now this this homunculus i'm telling you people go google it and you'll see this picture and it's the funniest creature but that's how your brain thinks your body is so your lips are huge your tongue is huge your nose your eyes your ears your hands and your feet and so if you're somebody that you know like you're really disconnected and how do i start connecting, you know, how do, what are the, how do I start healing myself emotionally? Google homunculus and tap into those parts of your body that are huge, because when you do, it's going to bring that awareness to you to help you understand why I do what I do. And when you have that, it's, to me, it's empowering. And then you're going to be able to embody, really understand, like I said, like when I found out that <laughs> I like country and funk, uh, my playlist changed it did like it just it changed and so when i and that's why people you know on my instagram people are like you dance all the time i'm like yes and they're like i love your music choice great because i mu i choose that music on purpose because it makes me move and it makes me want to 
dance and it makes me want to feel and it makes me want to it makes me feel safe at the end of the day and so you know my mom is a huge dancer and i don't know if she knows you know she chooses music very carefully a lot of times because she does a lot of performance and, and stuff and a lot of times the music is is it's how she feels and then she'll make the choreography you know based off of that and whatnot and it's you can tell when she's dancing that she feels the music and that's how she moves her body and it's um very elegant but before understanding this i'm like i would just watch my mom dance and I'm like yeah that was cool <laughs> like nice but now that i understand like the way she's moving her body and and um you know the the way she expresses herself it's just it's a feeling that it's a, it's a feeling of safety and that for me that's really cool to be able to see uh someone be able to express their body and move their bodies that way and that they feel safe enough to do that and show us how they feel so it's a, it's a pretty cool when you actually understand that and like when people dance that's what they're doing and it's like you know you look at any big celebrations what do most people do when they get together everybody wants to dance because it's just that freedom of movement of expression of whatever so it's like if you're stuck at home some music on people most of us have an alexa or a google all you gotta do is ask for some cool music or whatever make a playlist and have at it and then you know invite some friends over and have a nice meal together and <laughs> put on some now it's like funny like it's funny with the lights my kids are big into the led lights so they have them in their rooms and so we all do you know you can do different lights and sets the mood and all that kind of stuff candlelight sets the mood you know all that type of stuff so anyway so sensation 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 sensations it's really what it's all about if you want to help heal yourself and start feeling safer in your body explore sensations cool i think i i'm hoping that the the listeners are getting the idea that you know that there's there actually are very simple ways that you can do on an everyday basis that you're doing perhaps most cases not even aware that you're why you're doing them but as you bring more attention from your unconscious into your consciousness the the unconscious behaviors or the conscious behaviors start to become more ingrained into your unconscious just that will will allow people to change their attitude change their sense of the environment around them uh, and they don't have to feel that they have to be reaching to take something. Uh, you know, I, I have to take, you know, medication X or I have to take, uh, you know, a, a, an herbal medicine or homeopathic medicine or, or whatever it is that they think that is the, the necessity for what it is that uh, ultimately they're going to be doing. Now we have hopefully laid out the things that you do every single day. It can do every single day that could put you into a place. Uh, that will truly allow and change your attitude, hopefully change your attitude about the world that doesn't have to be. It's not all doom and gloom. The world isn't doom and gloom. Uh, the world is doom and gloom if you want to make it doom and gloom. But if we look at the, the glass half full instead of the glass half empty, we start to realize that, heck, we have tools available to us, as you've just laid out, uh, you know, for the last whatever long this is, uh, <laughs> that, that allows us to say, you know, today's a good day. Uh, you know, I'm having a good day. Yeah, some things may happen, but it's okay. I'm having a good day because I can put myself into, you know, whether preparing the, the meal I'm about to eat or the music or I'm going to walk my dogs and I'm going to lie on the floor with the dogs and roll around, you know, because they're always happy. I mean, they wag their tail. They tell you, oh, this is a good time. I like you to be around me. So, and then that's, we're socializing, you know, with our animals. Our animals are socializing with us. Uh, they make us part to to support 
uh, this aspect of our brain. Uh, it's interesting you bring up the homunculus because, of course, we learned that in medicine forever ago. The thing mm-hmm. sort of it's the inverse. Of the, you're right. Your hands are like, holy moly, why are the hands so big? It's, because it's, it's how you interact with the world with somebody else. You know, you give somebody a hug and to release oxytocin, but it comes through your fingers that the yes. brain says, oh, you're having a good opportunity to, you know, to, to release that, to calm your system down, to feel good. You know, it's sort of the anti-stress hormone. It's the opposite of adrenaline and cortisol, which mm-hmm. is re- revving you up. And oxytocin, the hug hormone, the the, the uh, friendly hormone, we'll call it the anti-stress hormone. It's coming through your hands. Hands. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know, and why we need to be bare feet, touch the ground. We need to pick our electrons up from the earth. We need to be feeling that energy also coming. Not through you know rubber-toed shoes or rubber uh, you know sole shoes. Soles, yep. Uh, that basically are blocking, you know, that feel, that touch of, of the earth, the grass, the rocks, and everything else that we need to be experiencing, you know, in our everyday world as far as nature is concerned. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and it's it's funny. It's just like, it, well, and the, and the more you dissect it, because there's actually uh, an image that I have that I've been like um, playing with this week, is when you, eyes. So what's interesting with homunculus is that there's different parts of the body that are next to each other, and so you know when you know like you've heard is like, um, what's that saying? Uh, neurons that are wired together fire together. So what's interesting is that the eyes and the index finger and the thumb are actually right next to each other in the brain. So we can actually help you move better um, and by uh, manipulating your hand and your your index finger and your thumb, just to, so doing some simple finger exercises, it can actually help you with improving your vision. And when you improve your vision, and it, it, it helps you move better. And it's like it's like I'm like. I can't make this stuff up, people. It's like you when I show someone, you're like, you know, there's a, a pain difference. So it's like I have pain on my right side. Well, let's move your right index finger. And people are like, seriously? Or let's rub it or let's stimulate it in certain parts. And you're like, seriously? Seriously. It makes a difference. It's because your hands are like I'm telling you, people, they're huge. And so um, I actually have a, a reels that I did that each finger holds certain emotions. And so by, you know, rubbing them and stimulating them in acupuncture, there's some different ones. Um, like some different points, like I know my dad with your Vega testing that you used to do, you had acupuncture points uh, on the, the the ring finger right at the nail bed. Um, so that when you put pressure on certain parts of our fingers, it releases things and it communicates with other parts of our body. So there's a lot of value in this. So it's like, um, you know, if you're somebody that does fidget and play with your fingers and massage your fingers and whatnot, it's fantastic because what you're doing is you're actually calming your nervous system. So if like, here's a quick one, if you actually want to, for your thumb, if you actually just hold pressure on either side of your nail bed on the thumb and just hold that for about 30 seconds, it actually gives you a parasympathetic you can get a pair, you wait for a parasympathetic break or release. So that can actually calm your nervous system just by holding pressure, not like not to the where it's painful, but just holding that. And so again, understanding that different sensations have a hierarchy and, and respond to you differently. So for instance, for me, I realized that um, pressure is something like dad, you said, like you mentioned a hug. So some people, when they hug, there's not a lot of pressure. My dad, if you've ever had my dad, he squeezes you like a boa, like a constrictor, like he squeezes you hard, like he likes pressure. (laughs) And so uh, some people, they give you a hug and it's not as, you know, it's whatever, it's not as intense or whatever. 
But some people, like if you're someone that likes pressure, that's where weighted blankets came in huge with the mental health, you know, with the mental health boom. I, I don't know the story very well. Apparently there's an autistic girl or a lady who created this pressure thing for cows, um, but she used it. She realized that she created this device that she really liked pressure and it actually helped her calm. It calmed her down and calmed down her nervous system. And she created it for cows to help. It was actually to streamline them, to get them to come in and not come in and be all like, I don't know what dad, you're the farmer. You you grew up at the farms. <laughs> um, reminds me of like, if you're ever with my dad, I'm going to say like the little secret thing. If you're ever with my dad, <laughs> ask him to call, do a cow call for you. It's the best thing ever. <laughs> Talk about sound. Best thing ever. Anyway, um, do you know what I'm talking about, dad? Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, uh, it's well known and the, you know, the autistic community will say that very often that are, are sometimes having a tantrum, uh, you know, or they're, they're sort of out of it. How do you get them to come back into reality is to it's to confine pressure. them squeeze them right. put pressure on them you know wrap them up in a blanket and which brings back what you've talked about the whole uh, the whole talk today is safety uh they right. go back into a safe place they know they're not in a danger place they know that they're going to be comfortable and so whether we do it with our look at uh with our animals you know when the when it's fireworks what do we do we put them in a thunder jacket we squeezes them tight mm -hmm. Uh, you know, and they basically, as a, whether it's the lightning and thunder or firecrackers, uh, you know, on the on our holidays times, that you know that makes the animal feel safe. Otherwise, they run away because they don't know where they're going. So, this whole idea of pressure, this whole idea of touch, you know, which we've been emphasizing, use all your senses when you're in an emotional uh, place that you're not comfortable or feel uncomfortable to start to tap into your the emotional senses uh look at a picture look you know look at something that's pleasing to your eye that's why you know a painting is pleasure to one person and they say god i don't like that picture at all because it, it doesn't resonate with their own specific nervous system based on what they ultimately have been exposed to and you know that's why all our senses you know we like different tastes of food and textures and smells and what smells good to one person as far as periphery is concerned is like totally vile to another person. So it's not like, oh, what's wrong with you? There's something wrong with that. It should smell good. No, not to everybody because it doesn't because your nervous system is the ultimate interpretation of whether it's good or not good uh, in regards to all our senses. And I think from an emotional well-being perspective, tapping in to your individual senses and the ones that you most enjoy uh, are are probably one of the most effective tools that anybody could use at any time. So when you're feeling the most stress, the goal, of course, is not to wait until you're stressed or wait until you're having a challenge. It's to tap into it, to know the types of things that would make you feel the best to try and, and whether it's for a, you know an autistic child who's having a hard day, whether it's that deep pressure or whether it's giving somebody a hug or whether it's saying something or whether it's preparing a meal, and then the satisfaction of eating it or you know that type of thing uh, i think is our key from the aspects of the that, that our society unfortunately has been going through and is going through because this post-covid where people got so isolated they we've lost uh, much of that uh, interaction unfortunately which unfortunately has dramatically increased uh, the people's awareness 
of what's going on. But now we know that deep breathing is a way to calm us down. We know listening to music is a way to calm it down. Uh, find a texture that you resonate with. Find the sound that you resonate with. Find something that you can look at that you're comfortable with. Are all very everyday tools. They don't cost anything uh, to be able to do that. So it's not like I oh well, what am I going to take to you know, do I have to take something? Do I have to go and get CBD oil? Do I have to take melatonin? Yeah, yeah, that probably uh, in some cases those will be helpful. But as you add more of these other tools that we've been talking about, people start to find that there's less and less need or reliance on something external to them. And they basically will be able to tap into their, their internal ability to literally heal themselves, which is what these podcasts are all about. What can Absolutely. you do to heal yourself? Absolutely. Yeah, you're right. There's just so much power in that, in that, you know, and because people always ask me, like, how do I get into this? It's because, you know, like I want, I have, like you and I both have so much information and so much knowledge in terms of working with people, you know, like it's not about what we, you know, what we're doing per se, but there are, there are ways for you to empower you. It's about empowering you to have, the, to, to have the knowledge um, because I think the problem, like we talked about in our last episode or our last podcast is, you know, stress and, um, you know, what's contributing to a lot of the stress that we're feeling. And it's, it's information. We, ha we have a lot of information. It's like, we almost have too much information, but what do we do with the information? And that's really, you know, what, how do I be the information? And that's really, instead of just do, 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 how can I be, be, be? And it's funny because it was funny because a friend of mine, we're, we were having a conversation and you know, she's learning, she's, she's in the same, she's in the, she did the same trauma um, healing course that I did. And that's how we met. Anyway, so she's doing her healing process. And we we're having this conversation, how she's really trying to shift from the do, do, do mentality, which is what I am. I'm very much in that sympathetic, like, let's go, 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 do, do, do. What's the next thing I need to do? What's the next thing on my checklist? And how do I stay busy? Because that's what has kept me safe for a long time. But there's a lot of power in slowing down and that's where the healing really begins. But many of us don't feel safe slowing down, i.e. me, I don't feel safe slowing down. And so she's like, how do we, can we be more of a B instead of a do? And I'm like, it's funny. So we we're just talking and, and I'm like, if I'm always in the do, do, if you keep going, do, do, if you're always in the do, 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 you end up in do, do. But if you can be in the B, B, then you can be and be free. Right. So it was just, it was just like, you don't want to end up in doo-doo, basically. <laughs> Is that what it came up to? She's like, oh, I'm using that. I'm like, feel free. Awesome. Have fun with it. Because a lot of times we just, we're, we're stuck in this go, 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 or do, do, do. But really where the magic happens and, and is allowing you to be. So when you be, you can feel the sensations and you can tap into the sensations that we're talking about and figuring out what works for you. Yeah. One of the things I was going to say is that going, so if you're going to do this, no, when you do this, make sure you assess. That's my only cursor is that in order for you need to understand, like, how does my body feel before and then do the sensation? How does my body feel after assess so that you understand what, you know, because in your mind, your mind, because again, remember emotions are in the second, the, it's part of the back brain. Okay. Not the front brain, not how we think. So you think this might feel good, but let your body speak to you. And so, you know, check the vagus nerve, check um, the pressure points that I talked about earlier, or you can check a range of motion or, you know, scale it. You know, if you're an, an EFT person, you can scale it one to 10, whatever, whatever assessment you use up to you. There's a gazillion of them. Not sure, you know, Google it or whatever, assess, do the sensation and then um, retest. 
what I learned for me is I love, I have a Theragun. I love vibration, uh, like the vibration tools and whatnot. Anyhow, what I discovered is that my breathing actually is worse when I use vibration. So I was like, oh, but what I did discover is my body really likes pressure. And so that's why we talked about pressure. And it's like, oh my goodness, when a lot of people. So when you figure out what your sensory hierarchy is, so um, another one you could use is heat. I love heat. I have a client, I exposed her, I put her in my sauna. It got worse. I checked her HRV way worse, but you know what she did like cold. So that's where a lot of people, you know, it's figuring out hot, cold, hot, cold, you know, you just got to know what works for you and just try and experiment, but make sure you do assess before. So if you want to check, you can use your HRV. That's what I did with one of my clients. Um, or you can check your range of motion or you can check your body. Do I have any tender spots? whatnot? Yeah. Give it a go and explore, you know, be your own, be your own body explorer. And this is really about empowering you to heal yourself because there's a lot of magic happening here. So Awesome. Um, anything else you want to add, Dad? I just want to reiterate that what we've been talking about, obviously, is you know we're trying to allow people to to have a very positive experience. But you know, on the other side of the coin is the people who are indeed maybe listening to this, who are indeed have a challenging day. Uh, you know, they don't feel well. Maybe they just had a panic attack. You know, you know they can say to us, "Well, you don't have sense of reality." Yeah, we have very sense of reality. People haven't experienced anything that we haven't experienced at some point. Um, and so the difference is, is that, you know, when the average person, 87% of their self-talk is negative, uh, I like to think that I don't have 87% of my self-talk is negative. In fact, I don't believe I have any self-talk that's negative because I've realized it's of no benefit. And so do I have challenging days? Of course I have challenging, we all have challenging days. And so it's like, okay, so how do you deal with it? It's like, do I sit doom and gloom? Absolutely not. It's like, that's what happened today. You know, my my uh, hard drive crashed uh, a couple of weeks ago and said, oh my God, what am I going to do? How am I going to da da da? It's like, hey, my hard drive crashed. It's like, get a new one. It's like, the day moves on. It's not like the end of the world, you know? And so, and studying Dale Carnegie 45 years ago, one of the things I always remember from that course was, one of the things in the course was that, that he wrote in his books, he said, <clears throat> whatever the situation that you're going into, what you should do is you should imagine the worst possible thing that could ever happen, you know, whatever that circumstance is. And then he says, you know what? It never happens. You know, and if you were to die in it, you wouldn't, wouldn't matter anyway, because you wouldn't have to worry about it anymore. So it never happens. So it's like, I've sort of adopted that my entire life. It's like, no matter how challenging the circumstances, and it always ends up being better than what you could ever imagine it to be. So it's like, then what do, why? So let's move on. Let's adopt some of these types of things whether it's breathe or smell or taste or feel, uh, you know, that type of thing, we can truly move on and start to change our day-to-day -day attitude. You know, people always say, how are you doing today? And it's like, I'm doing amazing. How are you doing? It's like, what do you mean you're amazing? It's like, you're almost afraid to say that because people think, what's, what's wrong with you? Right. Uh, it's like, because yeah. it's not okay that if you feel amazing and they don't. It's like, that's choice. You're making a choice to feel not amazing. I make a choice to feel amazing. So, which is why I love life. And if, you know, if today's my last day, it's going to be a great one is, is the best way to sort of to approach it uh, almost no matter what happens. So, so that's sort of my closing comment on this uh, right. topic today. No, it's good. It's good. You're right. Yeah, I mean, you have a choice, right? You always have a choice. So, you know, if I, am I going to dwell on the negative or am I going to dwell on the positive? So I'm like, I'm going to make it positive. And, you know, it's it's work. And if you're somebody that, you know, you're at the beginning and you're just like, my life sucks and everything, all this stuff is, 
you know, you're, you're dealing with darker things right now, you're not alone at the end of the day. You need to understand you're not alone and uh, there is there are ways to get you out of the darkness and that's what this podcast is all about. There there are ways and this is the first step on how to do that. Our next podcast we want to talk about um, is helping you find the purpose, your purpose in life. So this is something that I find what's really, really interesting is that if you take a look at the research, um, finding purpose, um, dad, you talked about the centurions. Finding purpose is one of the things on the list. And so uh, we want to discuss a little bit on how to help you find your purpose in life because when you're able to do this, your all of your cells and all of the neurons in your body will help you move that energy. So if you're in that darkness and you're like, how do I get out? Well, helping you find your purpose can help you you know, move out of the darkness and help you move into that place of positivity. Like my, my dad and I are both living our passions and living examples of people that, you know, it's not always been easy. <laughs> you know, like you hear both, if you find out both of our stories, you know, like if you get into it, we've both had big things that we've had to overcome and uh, it hasn't always been easy and there've been dark days, but we are able to both come out of it, you know, find the positive side of things. And it's, it's not just, it doesn't come natural to either of us. <laughs> if you find out, it's like, we both have trauma. We're healing from it and we're moving forward with it. And finding your purpose is a big piece of that puzzle. So we're going to be talking about that in our next episode. So thank you so much for being here. We always appreciate um, connecting with you and uh, having you share your time. And again, if you have any um, particular topics or subjects that you'd like us to discuss, please send them in. But thanks again so much for being here and have a wonderful day. Talk to you next time. We want to remind you that knowledge isn't power. Applied knowledge is power, where knowledge turns to experience. We encourage you to implement the information shared, allowing you to shift your energy from head to heart. If this is your first time listening, we would love for you to subscribe uh, to connect and grow with us in the coming weeks. If you'd like we, what you've been hearing today, we encourage you to go wherever you're listening to leave a review. Tell us what you loved about the episode. Tell us which one was your favorite and share topics you would like us to talk about. And if you're interested in learning more about biological medicine, uh, go to my website, drdixontom.com. And if you'd like to learn more about how to shift your nervous system and heal using movement, I encourage you to visit fitimize.ca to learn more. Thanks for listening. And we look forward to connecting with you on the next episode.